So welcome to the first uh, Systems Live. Shh. 37th episode. The first of 2014. Oh, okay. You would have heard had I been able to finish that sentence. Um, this is, in fact, the 37th episode. Um, we, we recorded 36 last year. We didn't, we didn't get the uh, one a week. It's an we, annual show. We had thought of... <laughs> We yes we we started recording them um, via our parents. Our parents were recording them before we were born. They set this up for us. Um, yeah, they put it in a trust uh, when when we were born. Uh, we were born a month apart, so uh, you know I'm pretty sure that was planned. They planned our conceptions together, um, mm-hmm. and so that's really what this podcast is going to be. We've known about. each other for basically since before we were born, right? Um, I mean, there was a little bit of, like, a mild telepathic link. Um, you know, like, like the science is like, yeah, there is this, but we're not really sure why, so we're just not going to talk about it. No, let's not talk about it. See, All right. I was just thinking. <sighs> It'll be our little secret. So, um, what are we doing? We're, t- we're talking about, we've got some topics. Oh, so we have some ideas of what we're going to talk about. We have questions to pose to each other and, and things that we want to rant on. Big questions. We're open to feedback. You can chat. There's a little chat form. Mixler.com slash systems live slash chat. Yeah. And if anybody wants to just use it right now so that we can see that it's working, just, you know, because we've never never really used this service before. Yeah, this is, sure this is new for 2014 and new for us. So, um... Any feedback? We have these beautiful chimes in the background. All right, we're good. We're good to go. We've got some feedback. Ding. All right. So, um, by the way, was it you that told me that my fan was going to break in my car? Yes. It broke. Wow. Um, that makes me unhappy because I keep telling Amanda that the springs in our car are going to break because I hear them creaking. And I don't want to be right about that. You're right about everything. Shit. That's why people should be listening. Gift and a curse. Yeah. Gift and a curse. So I got some feedback. We were told that it would be good to talk about some of the lifestyle. What do you work lifestyle, lifestyle design, intentional lifestyle? What do you call it? I mean, lifestyle is such a shitty word. Yeah. Um, I mean, I hate lifestyle. Yeah, because because like it, within the startup scene, um, lifestyle is a pejorative. Like it's it's quite literally like, oh, he's a lifestyler. Oh yeah. And it's like like that means that you're an idiot. Like it's it's short, shorthand for like you will never work hard enough to do anything of importance. But what about all the startups that are like, oh, they've got the work-life balance, and that's kind of, I guess that's different, though. Yeah, you know, when I, see, when I see a startup that's like, hey, come work for us because of work-life balance, I'm like, oh, that's because your product's not interesting, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of silly because I also feel like it's, it's also a thing that I, I want. Like, I'm, I, I'm frustrated with startups that don't get it at all. So you want startups that... Or is it not possible for a startup to have work-life balance and be doing something cool? That's that's an interesting question. Um, see, I like there's, I have a couple answers to that. So, so one of them is like your startup should never ask you to do forty hours of work per week. They should be looking for thirty or twenty-five. Um, and even if you believe that people should work seventy hours a week and startups should be about hard work, like it's still true. You should still just not schedule yourself to hundred percent. You want a bunch of Slack, and you want Slack because 
you want to be able to handle problems that come up and you don't want to feel stressed out all the time about having to do a bunch of stuff. Mm. And then the, what you do with the other hours of your life will probably be productive and interesting work on that startup that's just like the the stuff that just permeates out that just that comes up as you're as you're building stuff um and i see this like market difference like if there's a company that's like super like all the time grind 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 do the most important thing do this thing do that thing get features done ship shit what i find is like they've got that attitude in the engineering department and then the marketing is like out talking to people and trying to sell bullet point features and there's like no cohesion and they're just building the wrong thing so they're moving really quickly in the wrong direction so their actual speed is really slow. Mm-hmm. You're not going slow enough to really like notice what's going on, what you should be doing. Yeah, and like, like. Well, that's that's different than because there's I guess there's also startups where, and they don't necessarily say they might even say they have work life balance, but the culture is that people work a lot. Yep. Um, where it's implicit, it's part of the culture, and the people that were hired are just very competitive or just very like into their work or whatever and then everybody else feels like they have to here's, work here's, here's the dividing line in the litmus test um, there was a huge problem shit broke over the weekend somebody fixed it someone was the hero they spent all weekend fixing the problem on Monday everyone celebrates them and goes hey that was a good job you did like that was that was awesome and then gets back to work that's the worst possible thing that could happen like what you really need to do is be like Oh my god, thank you for doing all that work. We fucked up. Yeah. Like like the team fucked up in putting us into that position. Like we should never need You shouldn't have had to do that. Exactly, exactly. And it should be a problem. Like you're not gonna whoever spent the weekend, like obviously that's good work and probably it was the right call and necessary. Mm -hmm. But but if you celebrate that and you don't have that like, okay, now like stop the presses, let's make sure that never happens again, then everyone in the room goes, Oh, working weekends is how you get celebrated in this company and I want to work weekends. Then you have people like unintentionally but at the same time, like trying to create situations where they have to work weekends, you know, like, hey, the way that I get ahead in this company is by grinding out features as fast as I can. And if there are bugs, then I work weekends and that shows that I'm really dedicated to the company. And that's the polar opposite of what's good for building software and what, how you build good product. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, that's what all the good startups are doing. So mm-hmm. isn't that weird? It's always like the good startups are the cool like products, like everything's messed up inside. Seems to be pretty often, uh, the, often the case. Yeah, um, the way the way I put that sometimes, like, because I hear I hear I hear the the argument that I'm making sort of for like, um, you should stop and spend three months building the right technology for your startup, and and then you say like, but look at all the successful startups; they've never stopped and built technology for themselves. Yeah, because like their product was so good that it outlasted their shitty engineering process. Like, it survived them trying to kill it. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that, you know, not everything Facebook chooses to do is the correct decision. But maybe only one thing was right. You know, maybe they were in the right time, the right place, the right product when they started, and no other decision has been correct. And they've just been buoyed by, you know, having the, the world's perfect. Now, I don't think that's true, but, like, you could, you could make the case for that. So we've seen a bit of this. You consult, so you see it a bit. I mean, I, I kind of do the same thing, and we see it a lot. But we've decided not to buy into that shit, right? 
um, for ourselves. Yeah, I'm. I mean, is it somewhat, somewhat like uh, so? When I'm building like personal projects, I'll find myself doing twenty hour days sometimes mm-hmm. because like I just I've got like the joy and the fire and and it's fine. Um, but that's more like a. I mean, that's sort of a short burst. Right? Yeah. Yeah, it's, you can't sustain that. Exactly, exactly, and I don't want to because when I sustain working really long hours, I I miss the high level picture. I miss the details. You know, mm-hmm. I, I I make mistakes, and not of the I stayed up too late variety. So so, what I guess so 2013. Um, we should get back to that idea. What were we doing? What were you doing in 2013? Man, so. Uh, Let's see, uh, New Year's Eve 2012-2013, I was drinking too much. Um, Were you in a hot tub? I was not. I was was in a hot tub 2013-2014. Yeah. Um, So I started off uh, Jan 1st in New York, and then Jan 2nd or Jan 3rd, I flew to California, and then the next day we bought a car, and the next day we drove to Tahoe. And then- You were going to buy an RV. We were, we were. That was our our 2012 idea. so my, my fiance Amanda and I are both contractor consultant at this point. Um, and when we when we switched to that, we were like, oh, we can go mobile. And so we thought, how mobile can we go? Uh, and Amanda had this fantasy of driving an RV across the country and seeing all of the like weird small towns. That wasn't your idea? Oh, it was definitely not my idea. <laughs> Um, however, like when she was into it, I was like, yeah, I'll embrace this. It sounds really cool. Um, like I, I like the idea of travel a lot. Um, and then so we, we just rented an RV. RV. Yeah. We, well, I was, I was down for it, you know, in, in concept. And then we rented it and oh man, it was, uh, it was an adventure. Uh, we, we made some mistakes, but, but at the end of the day, it was just like super stressful. Um, and having a cat made it stressful and, uh, we picked the wrong season to start in. So there, there were, there were some mistakes that shouldn't discount the RV lifestyle, but at the end of the day, it wasn't for us. Having slow, high latency internet was kind of a deal breaker. So what did you do instead? What, um, did, you, what did you switch to? Uh, so we what we what we switched to was the Colin Northway. Um, the Colin Northway model. Yeah. Um, we know a lot of people into these like intentional lifestyle things, huh? Absolutely. Yeah. We could we could probably bring up one of our friends' models every episode and. So explain the Colin Northway since that was your model. Um, so yeah, I like calling it Colin Northway only because there's also a move in Spelunky called the Colin Northway. Um, so the the Northways they're both independent video game developers. They both build stuff uh, from scratch. They hire freelancers, but for the most part, they can do most of their work alone, uh, potentially without internet access or or with like brief periodic internet access um you know to download and then upload the latest bill and stuff like that i mean they've shipped they've shipped games out of internet cafes in central america and stuff like that um did you ever go out to one of their i have not i have not been i really i really want to go to the mexico house at some point i've heard amazing things right so they travel around and they kind of work from wherever and they actually what it sounds like is it's a lot of work to to like what they do is pretty extreme like going yeah so they they have not lived in a place for more than four or five months in the last three or four years uh they don't have a home base they don't have a house which is what makes it cheap like it's it's actually uh economically viable like if you live in a house in mexico on the beach it's 1500 a month and it's like a mansion 
um, and then you know your groceries are cheap too, and so they're 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 saving money when compared to San Francisco or Brooklyn or maybe even Austin, depending on where they're going. Um, you know, and then they they can also stay three months in Japan or something, and that can shoot their whole budget for the year. Um, so it's it's not what I would call a rich lifestyle. They're rich in terms of time and flexibility, but they're not rich in terms of money. Um, I mean, their games are doing successful, but but they're not millionaires. This is not an unreachable lifestyle. Um, so they're doing it international. Um, you were doing mostly. We were doing exclusively national. Um, so we we did the same thing, but we we had the uh, restriction. Of we have a cat, and we wanted to travel with the cat and see what that was like. Um, and it was actually pretty easy. Like it, it definitely like oh you you allow pets and you allow cat filters down the number of places you can go. But between Craigslist and Airbnb and VRBO.com, we were able to on pretty short notice get three and four month rentals. And our budget was like eighteen hundred a month. Yeah. Not not super high. Um, and we got you know we were a couple blocks from the beach in Long Beach. We were. A mile from the slopes in Tahoe, staying yeah. in a three-bedroom, like like really nice places. Airbnb is really pretty great for that. Well, Airbnb is a little weird for that because people weren't set up for us. So a lot of what we do is like look at their daily rate and then ballpark what we think would be a good offer. Oh, for like long term. And send them, yeah, yeah. So so we had to walk them through the long term side, but then they loved us because we were no work for them. Yeah. Um, and we paid, we're, you know, we're paying maybe three or four hundred dollars more per month than the space would normally cost because it's furnished and it's a short term. So there's there's some cost there. Um, but we saved money. I think I saved ten grand, maybe fifteen grand more than I would have if I lived in Brooklyn, which is crazy. That's a, that's a lot of money to make without any perceived sacrifice to lifestyle. And in fact, a huge gain. So now you're in Austin with me and a bunch of other people. Yeah. Yeah, we don't live together. We did live together for, for a split second, but... Uh, well, I didn't really live there. Yeah, I didn't really live there either. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, so lived I, there I went... more than I did. Our, I guess, our, so that's where our paths met again in terms of living, because I was in San Francisco. Well, actually, I was in Berkeley for most of the time last year. And then um, uh, only middle of last year, I, I moved to San Francisco um, but at the beginning of last year, I rented this house in Austin with. Ben. Yeah, so I, I wouldn't say you were in Berkeley. You were you were part time in the Bay, and you were maybe like three quarter time Bay, one quarter time. Yeah, I think I started spending more and more time in Austin, uh, especially after doing San Francisco, because the whole idea was to Airbnb the San Francisco place. Um, and actually, the main reason why I got that place was to Airbnb it. Like it was intentionally. Um, in downtown kind of near soma it had a view of the bridge like i intentionally went and found a place with a a great view and um could be you know made to look really nice so yeah a premium it's not a cheap place no and it's actually in that most expensive area of san francisco which is apparently the most expensive um, place to live in the so, states right now, but so you're kind of like you're able to reach above what other lifestyle you might not have because of Airbnb because you can supplement this. Or that was the theory. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, the idea. Well, actually, um, the idea was if I uh, that I would be able to rent the place out for twice as much as I was paying for rent, um, which turned out to be true. And so you well, so wait before we get into that, you you did sort of like a lean startup thing for that, didn't you? 
Oh yeah. I, well, I thought because, that was really cool. So well, that was that was like it's a pretty big investment, right? To like sign a lease for it's huge. Um, what was almost like after I mean, everything? That, that was everything, your single largest purchase ever. Like when you put the dollars down, like you've never spent that much money in one contract. Yeah, probably. Um, so at at the end of the day, it was between thirty five and four thousand dollars a month. Hey, so that's that's fifty k over the course of a year. Yeah, that's a lot of money. Um, and it was a one bedroom, so one bedroom apartment for almost four thousand um, dollars. And I actually was not, you didn't have a salaried job at that point too. I've been consulting all year, and so that the income kind of comes and goes, you know, based on work and how much work and all that stuff. Um, but I had enough that I could kind of like figure, oh, it would be, I could probably cover it, but it would be a huge chunk if, if it didn't work out. So I wanted to validate it in that sort of lean startup way, since that's kind of something that we do a lot, which is the idea of validating cheap, cheap and early, I guess, trying to, to validate an idea as early as possible. Fast. Yeah. So, um, where did I get, uh, I guess it was very much like an Eric Reese move, um, to I put up an Airbnb listing. I found an, one of the places I was looking at uh, apartments in San Francisco had a bunch of photos of like furnished places. So I actually took all those photos and made a fake Airbnb listing. And it was around the same area and the same like kind of um, quality p- place, you know, for one bedroom and all this stuff with a view. And I made a fake Airbnb listing and just wanted to see like what how how many inquiries did I get. Um, did it seem like it would be something that would actually be able to to work out? Um, and I I got enough that I decided that I would do it, and so I did it. Uh, it took a little bit longer to set the place up, like get furniture and all this stuff. Um, but once it was set up, it was very easy to rent out. And so renting it out for half the month would cover a month's rent. Um, so the idea was that I actually wasn't paying for the place, but I had the place. 15 days out of the month (laughs) the problem was of course that like i have no control i have like no regular i have no home i have to and i've actually seen some articles since that were people that did this um you know more people that would identify more as an entrepreneur than i at this point um they would actually get up uh places intentionally to airbnb um and most of them turned up uh ended up profitable or or at least like break even a little bit more profitable than break even and um so it is kind of a neat idea and it, and it did seem to work out it's just the actual like lifestyle <laughs> is not as ideal i just didn't have a home i had to basically i would wait for someone to book and then i would book a flight to austin um so it helped that I had a place to go, which was Austin and this house that I was also renting. So that's the other thing. I, last year was a really weird experiment-oriented <laughs> uh, year, and I spent a lot of money on it, which was... So while that was going on, in the second half of the year, the first half of the year, um, we, I, Ben and I rented the house in Austin, and it was like a seven-bedroom house, and the idea was to kind of do the same thing, um, although it was more about like here's a room or here's bunk beds um, as opposed to like here's a one bedroom apartment a luxury apartment and um, so we we set the house up and it did well for South by Southwest and outside of that it didn't do very well and one of the things was is we didn't actually validate it (laughs) Um, so there's a pretty good day like it was a good startup learning yeah it really helps to do the validation 
Um, I've since done like a, a fake listing in downtown Austin to see if I could do something like the luxury apartment in Austin. It's still not as good. Um, so I don't think I would do that here yet. Yeah, Austin is this weird like boom bust. So like uh, South by and ACL and maybe Fantastic Fest and, and a couple other smaller events. There's demand, but then there's nothing. Yes. Yeah. And you found that out from yes. these listings. Yeah, well, we found it out because the house just wasn't actually getting any inquiries um, during the rest of the year. So then we kind of switched modes like six months in to be more like, well, instead of doing the majority, because we had half the house occupied with more full-time people, um, which were mostly friends of ours that we wanted to move to Austin with us. We convinced them to come to Austin. And, um, and the we decided, well, we can't do the Airbnb thing as well, so let's try and get more of our friends to move in more full-time into the house, or, or really anybody. Um, and that's eventually how you ended up in the house with Amanda. Yeah, so coming coming back to sort of my journey in 2012, we went Tahoe to Long Beach to... We were going to come to Austin, but Austin in the summer, it turns out, is like 120 degrees. That's not, it's not factually accurate, but it's a rough approximation. Feels like it. Um, so we went to South Padre Island, which is the southern tip of Texas on the water, um, and stayed in the cheapest place I've stayed in since college, and it was beachfront, so that was pretty cool. Um, and uh, so we, we stayed there for the hot months because it was 20 degrees colder. Beachfront in Texas? Beachfront in Texas. That's kind of a weird thought for me. It's a weird thought for me too, and yet there's a huge amount of beachfront. Like mm-hmm. Texas has yeah. a really large Gulf Coast. Yeah coastline and we were also like uh, kind of right next to mexico so it had like a it was a very mexico vibe kind of to the place um and uh yeah and then we and then we rented a two-bedroom apartment inside of your seven-bedroom house which was just pretty unique and interesting i'd say yeah the house is totally messed up and and weird and interesting and in a way not very useful but in a way in our situation kind of useful um, but there was actually a whole section of the house that was kind of like a separate apartment, which apparently is more common. There's a bunch of houses here in Austin like that. Um, Very few where the apartment's front door is the inside and up the stairs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, which was fine for our situation. I mean, we, we kept our cat inside of our apartment, which is really nice because she would possibly bolt out the front door. Yeah. Um, but I can't imagine anyone else who really wanted that scenario. Yeah, so, uh, but the house turned out to be pretty good in terms of getting people to move to Austin. Um, I was, again, sort of, even though I had a place in Austin, it wasn't necessarily my home. I was kind of there. I felt like I was on vacation every time I'd go. Yeah, you'd come in and you'd sleep on a bunk bed. Sleep on a bunk bed or sleep on a couch. No door, and like you didn't have a permanent space. Yeah, Um, which I'm kind of okay with uh, to, to probably more than most people. But definitely, I, I do need it. Um, I really enjoyed going back home to San Francisco and having like my own place where I lived alone. And it was a nice... That's the other thing I learned was once... Because I've always been very sort of not very materialistic and kind of figured, oh, I don't need to set this place up. Um, but I also knew that your environment like has a huge impact on um, your emotional well-being and how you know kind of productive you can be and just how healthy you feel. And so... Uh, it was really nice to live in a place that felt nice, had a had a nice view, was mostly windows. I could just kind of, you know, I left my blinds open all the time, and I could work from home really. Like, it felt good to work from home. Um, and 
it was really nice. And and because of Airbnb, I had to set the place up, you know, with kind of nice stuff and put some art on the walls and stuff like that. And I used that as an excuse to finally kind of get, um, you know, my taste in furniture and stuff like that. Because usually I'm just like, oh, I'll get whatever. Um, and so this was the first time that I did anything like that. And I really enjoyed it. So that's why now, uh, this starting this year, I'm moving to Austin. We So the house that we have here in Austin is gone now, January 1st. Um, it's everybody moved out. You guys, uh, half of the house moved to a different house and then uh, or to uh, other apartments. So most people successfully moved out to Austin, moved somewhere else in Austin. And then I'm finally moving to Austin more permanently in my own place. So we got a question from the chat stream. That's a, a great one. Um, how did you do contract work while moving back and forth? And then I can take the same one because I was moving even crazier. Yeah. Um, it was. It was pretty easy because I. Hmm. I'm trying to think back of of all the work that I did. Um, yeah, most of it was pretty easy because I, I very rarely had to meet up with clients. Um, most of the most of it was um, email or phone calls or, or stuff like that. And so it was really easy to, to communicate from wherever and do the work from wherever, um, which is kind of what you would expect doing software stuff. Um, so it was... Yeah, I had the, the opposite experience. Um, well, you would because you would... Well, because so so my my idea when I set off to do contracting and consulting is that like I most of my jobs before were I'm a programmer or manager or whatever and I I go in and I do work and I'm done and and then like well you would go in that's the thing yeah and then and then what I wanted to do though was like evangelize and blog about continuous deployment and teach other companies that have people coming up to me like hey can you like you know hang out with us for a day or two and show us the ropes and I was like well no I have a day job like it doesn't really work that way. I could, to some degree, go and speak, but it was always within the context of, like, this is for recruiting, this is for hiring. I couldn't really just do it of, like, this is important. Like, I think this is an important thing that needs to happen and more people need to do it, and I had the skills to make it happen. So um, I didn't want to go 100% on that side, though. Like, I easily could have gone and, like, gotten a job at a major consulting group and and gone 100% full-time consulting, but I also thought that that would be crazy and boring. I need to do, I need to make, I need yeah. to create things. So I tried to do half consulting, half contracting, half programming, half teaching. And that just didn't work at all. Why? I, I just couldn't, I couldn't, like two completely independent pipelines of clients, managing it and mm. keeping the pipeline clean just was impossible. Yeah, it's actually hard enough just doing one pipeline. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. So, um, uh, maybe halfway through the year I realized like I, I can't find a programming project that's what I really want to do and I need to make that happen um, and so I switched to sort of uh, so I made a video game I made a video game and launched it on the Ouya Goose um, yeah Timothy Fitz presents Timothy Fitz's Goose that's that's not the full title that's the Jeff title but um, a Timothy Fitz production. it is actually called Goose uh, it's out on Ouya go play it if you have an Ouya if you don't that's that's expected and fine. Ooh, yeah, it's not that awesome. Um, I mean, it's it's sort of awesome, but it's a so weird wait, 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 wait. It's kind of a weird thing because out of nowhere, you just made a game. Yes. Uh, well, or you know, I've been making games my whole life. Like I got into yeah, programming via yeah, game yeah, making, yeah. and I've, I mean, I've been ditto. making prototypes. But but, but uh, yeah, it had to do with the house. 
Didn't it? Because you moved in, and Rusty was working on games, and everybody else, and there was game stuff going on, and you... Yeah, yeah. I moved in, I moved in, and I was like, oh man, I'm going to have to do all this work, uh, and almost immediately, one of my major clients was like, hey, uh, we're hitting pause, <laughs> um, because they were having cash flow issues or whatever, you know, un- unrelated to my work, and so I, I suddenly found myself, I was like, okay, well, I have a gig lined up for two months from now, do I want to try and find work? Because like, you know, it's... If you want to get a gig and actually do work and get paid, it's a really long turnaround time. People are slow to decide and then like initial evaluation, whatever. So I figured, ah, screw it. I'll take, I'll take this month. Well, I think originally I said I'll make a four-week project and then I, it turned into eight weeks. Um, you spent eight weeks on it? I did. I did. Uh, probably the last three were spent like an hour or two a day going back and forth with the cert process and porting but this was a very intentional like short-term project super. like finish it as quick as possible super because i'd never shipped a video game before i mean i had done like which is one of the stuff. cool things about an ouya about the ouya is you oh, can yeah. like put stuff up there it's, and it's a console it's not like yeah you can put stuff up on itunes st- app store or whatever but it's like it's a phone it's a different experience than a console yeah, you get you get a controller you get a tv and um it looks real like like the phone has this like expectation of lowered quality but if it's on your tv you're like whoa you made a real game on um, that big screen and you have an actual controller yeah i mean nothing against iphone games but yeah i mean i've, I've built a lot of products we, we grew up with classic console I stuff built, so i built a lot of products this is the first one my parents have actually played <laughs> so uh you know it, it's uh it's very different yeah and the goal was ship something so that i've shipped something um, so, so that kind of thing, like, oh, I get to do my own projects now. That works really well for coding. Um, and then uh, for the consulting stuff, the opposite happened. I was moving around all the time. And then my consulting gig is like, you have to be in person the whole time. So now I'm, I'm like, you know, flying to Boston on top of driving across the country. And it was just crazy. Um, so I wanted travel. And then I got travel in my work. And I got travel in my home life. All too much time. travel. Yeah, it was it was way too much travel. We I made was, a lot of mistakes last year. Yeah, last year was not. Nah, it was a bumpy road. It was a bumpy road. It was, but, co- it was like complicated. Like, I guess yes. we were both trying things that were more complicated. Twenty thirteen was about new. Twenty fourteen is about simplify. Yeah, focus for both of us. Yes. Yeah, some parallels. I like that. Um, so we're in Austin now. You're going to be in Austin for a bit now. Why do you like Austin? Um, yeah, so Austin had always been on the radar. Um, when you when you look at places you want to go and you don't have to be anywhere specific, you think about, is it cool? What is there to do? Do you have people there you know? Um, what's the weather like? Weather is huge. If you don't have to live anywhere specific, why would you ever live in the Northeast? <laughs> Serious question. And uh, And then it's cheap. That's, that's the other... Yeah, p- price is surprisingly important. Because it's like, I could live in San Francisco and I could spend whatever the average rent is now, twenty eight fifty or something insane. Um, and then I'd have to... It's it's not it's not about money. It's about uh, hours. Like, how many hours of my life am I committing to work just to continue to live? Right. Um, just to not have to go get a day job. Right. And so... Uh, you know, so so the Mike Rooney to talk about more lifestyles. The Mike Rooney is um, what's the minimum number of hours that I can work and still be like living in a sustainable fashion? Um, and then, you know, what can I do with the rest of my life? And, and does that bring me greater happiness? And he kind of phrased it as an experiment, but I would say at this point, like 
for him it's worked it's out. It's worked out. And that number is like 10 or 12. It's really low. Yeah. I mean, so that's kind of what I'm trying to switch to as well. And actually, I made this decision in 2012 when I when I left Twilio and I sort of traveled around the world and I was kind of trying to figure out what I was going to do next. And the idea was to, to basically do that is to work less hours in the week um, and spend more time doing the things that I've always wanted to do but haven't because I've been doing tech stuff or whatever and just pulled into doing you know all the software or technology stuff and really it it just hasn't um you know it's kind of worked out for me in a way like i've gotten some good ideas out there and i've made some cool stuff and i feel like i've sort of made an impact on in the tech world in a very sort of indirect way um but it's just not the kind of thing that that fulfills me in the way that doing a creative um not doing something that is more unique um yeah i mean like so so you were at twilio and i was at Inview and the canvas and we affected those companies those three companies primarily you know so so we we could go deep could build a lot of cool stuff we could see our ideas fleshed out over years um but at the end of the day like we were affecting one small company yeah consulting the idea of doing different things was interesting just to get a variety of projects to um and so that was exciting but yeah ultimately i just wanted to work less and i'd gotten to a point where i could i felt like my time was worth enough that i could charge enough to 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 work less hours and still um you know be able to save money and stuff like that um but also with that like reduce my living expenses and so people a lot of our indie game friends um because apparently we have a lot um you know a lot of them make games and are are almost in this sort of starving artist kind of world where you know they they have to they have a day job or they have to find some way to make money or like just keep their living expenses really low so that they can work on this game for for free yeah, I mean, um, I know a lot of people who it's like, well, I have to do this for the next two months so that I have the opportunity to build my own thing for the month after that. And just to have that two months of day job, one month of do my own thing, they have to live what it would be considered like a below their below their income level kind yeah. of lifestyle. So we know a lot of people that have done that and, you know, it's kind of where can you live? Because oftentimes your biggest expense is rent. Especially Bay Area. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, I think almost all the time it's your biggest expense, depending on if it's like a... I I mean, I I have friends. I mean, so I grew up in in a small town in Pennsylvania, and it's not that much there, especially if you move out of the cities. Like, it's it's way cheaper than Austin. And so there's a few people there. But but then you don't have culture. You don't have support. You don't have other indie video game developers. Yeah, so so there's like this balance, right? This was coming back to why Austin, like, there's this great balance of it's not the cheapest place... Um, but it still is cheaper. There's a lot of... For me, there was like the three things that I wanted to be doing more of. Games, music, uh, and film. Which is more of a longer term, later thing. But uh, all those things are kind of going on here. And then there's also other stuff like nightlife and and cool bars and like cool people. So much live music. Yeah. Just inundated live, live music. music capital of... United States. But we like to call that the world. The world. Yeah because our president is the leader of the free world mm. so Austin is pretty cool for all of that and that's why I'm here and I tried to convince a lot of people that they should move here and I've been moderately successful at, at moving 
a lot of my friends. We're two is, for four of the four people we've convinced to come out here and see it. Two of them have moved within months. Yeah. Uh, which is which is surprising to me. I mean, so Amanda and I, when we talked about where we wanted to go, she said, let's not try Austin first because we might love it too much and not want to leave, which is then exactly what happened. Because um, it really hits that sweet spot of, you know, lots of live music, lots of lots of indie game, like a really cool indie video game developer scene. It's like really well, easy to get into, approachable, and everyone is interesting. And we've got those chimes, man. We've got, yeah, we've got quite the meditative sanctuary vibe going on here. That was very relaxing. Feels good. I like it. So yeah, so Austin's at this this intersection. Um, it's also kind of blowing up. Like uh, I didn't realize that before I moved here, but Texas has like oh, yeah. three of the five fastest growing cities in the U.S. I heard years ago they're calling Austin the new Silicon Valley. Years ago. I mean, everyone wants to call themselves years the new Silicon ago. Valley. You're never going to be the new Silicon Valley. You'll be the next thing. Like yeah. forward looking. We were, yeah, I, I, when I was doing Dev House stuff and Hacker Dojo stuff, there was a lot of that talking of, like, how do you get Silicon Valley in other places? Um, which brings up events. It would be cool to do more events here and stuff like that, but we'll see. I have to kind of move here more. Yeah, I, have to, you, I have to move you here. You have to actually move here. Yeah. You still, I mean, so your house, your apartment isn't even ready yet. Yeah, I'm I'm homeless. You're, well, actually, so I, I gave notice at my old place, but I can't go there because somebody's Airbnb-ing it right now. And then um, my house here in Austin is now gone. So I'm just, you know, whatever. Yeah. And I think I think the most interesting thing about our lifestyle is that, like, you don't have to be very well off to pull this off. You know, it, it scales down pretty well. Yeah. Um, and at, at the end of the day, I found that, like, my traveling lifestyle has been dramatically cheaper. You know, so so I'm I'm living at a much lower cost of living than the majority of my peers, which is hard to imagine, considering I feel like they think that I'm rich. <laughs> that, that you know that that's that's the most common thing I get. Oh, you're rich enough to travel the the you know states. You're rich enough to travel the world. And it's like no, I I made like one major career decision, which is like I'm gonna risk it on going out and being a contractor, which is not that hard. Like. People freelance at all level of ability. Yeah, and Rooney wrote a bunch of blog posts about doing this, right? That kind of like yeah. So Mike, so Mike, he like so we have very different like when it comes to what jobs we do. He's like not picky at all about what the job is. He's just like he focuses on technology though, in particular. I mean, like, it's his programming and and, and, and mostly Django, stuff. right? Um, yeah, I mean, he focuses on tools, the tool chain he knows yeah. because he he takes projects where he can choose all of those things. Sure. Um, and then there are also projects where he can build the whole thing from scratch, which allows him freedom to work on it whenever he wants. He doesn't have to interact with other people and, and communicate. Um, but, but other than that, he's not picking, like, this project would be fun. Um, and he's not doing, you know, like, bleeding-edge computer science or anything. He's, he's not, uh, you know, I, I feel like his model is much more replicatable than either of us where we've got, like, weird niche things that were, yeah. were really... And even ours are different. Like you were saying how last year you, were, you had to be in offices and I didn't. So yeah. Even though we talked about how we would kind of probably be doing similar stuff when we're, in terms of getting new work. And yeah, like I might be in Idaho next week. I don't stuff. know. I'm still waiting. Are you a DevOps person? See. Yeah, oh, that's a great question. I, I get an opportunity to do a DevOps job about once a week and I say no to all of them. Uh, or I say um, what you want is wrong. And what you should want is me. And that's that's a weird pitch. 
but that's that's the one I give. Yeah, I don't. I actually I realized I didn't really want to talk about DevOps stuff. No, that's fine. I didn't. I don't ever want to talk yeah. about DevOps. So even though yeah. Even, yeah, even though even though I'm mislabeled. Uh, are you gonna do more indie games? Yes, I, I'm. I'm. My goal is to ship something to show that I could ship something when the Xbox One opens up, which I hear that if I email the right people right now, I might be able to get an early jumpstart on that. Um, so they, they have really good Unity support, which is what I built my game in. So the goal is be early to the Xbox One, whatever their indie stream is, um, with like an updated version of Goose. And then at the same time, I'm working on about a half dozen prototypes to try and find like what's the next thing that sparks. Because Goose was, here's an idea that I think is cool. I'm going to build it and ship it. I'm not going to prototype it and screw around with it and, and hone in. Like I, I, I build it and then I spent a long time refining it, but I didn't really do a long exploratory process because I didn't want to lose sight of what I was trying to do, which was ship a game ship really a game. quickly and, and, and get the whole thing. Because yeah, yeah. Um, I was like, I could prototype forever, but if I've never shipped anything, how do I know if it's shippable? How do I know if it's right? Yeah, and then going through the process of shipping, like it's kind of like you're trying to learn breath. fast too. Like I was trying to get the breadth of it before yeah, I went yeah. too deep. Yeah. Um, Which has always been my approach for things is very like broad strokes, everything. Like just try and get through the the thing and forget about all the details just for the first pass so that you have an experience of what it's like. Yeah. And you have perspective and all that. So yeah, so now I like I built a physics engine from scratch to do some local multiplayer stuff and moldy player. Yeah, local moldy player. Um and yeah, I'm I'm prototyping stuff and at the same time I'm still doing continuous deployment consulting and you know, like startups hire me and I go in and I make them continuous deployment. That's my thing. Uh, and I also have like two day workshop kind of thing. So I'm, I've got a, pretty much one project now for this year, uh, which is Flynn. Uh, Flynn is really cool. Flynn is really cool. Um, and then I'm also, you know, I've got little projects. Like I released Term Share recently. And then um, still staying involved in, in Doku, um, which is mostly kind of going by itself with the maintainers and contributors. Like there's contributor co- contributions like every other day still. Um, but uh, mostly in terms of money, I'm able to work on Flynn, which is really cool. Uh, but I'm, I'm still only working on that. Well, we'll see. But the idea is that I still want to be able to have time to do the things that I want to do uh, here in Austin, one of which is starting a band because I've been doing music forever, but I've never really like done anything with it and gotten the experience of like playing a live show or anything. So um, that's going to be really fun. That's kind of like a, a, a 2014 New Year's resolution is to get a... We sort of have the proto band. You're going to play a live gig? Yeah. like that's, that's It's one of those things. It's like we're just like as soon as possible... Like once we've practiced enough together, still waiting for Andy to move here, and I'm not moved here. You but, know, I'm there for you with the tambourine. Like I'm, I'm down 100. percent Yeah, I'm, I'm. You're on the list of people that are going to be playing tambourine. I've, oh. I've got like five people that want to play tambourine. I'm, I'm, you're I'm first on the list. Oh, I'm first. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm not like the understudy because I prefer to be the understudy. It's a lot less mm. pressure. Okay, you can be second on the list. Yeah, thank you. Um, so, so that's. That's what I'm doing. Sounds like you know what you're doing, and that kind of covers 2013. Was there anything else? Big so, lessons. So much, so much happened in 2013. But I think that was our that was our that lifestyle. Was like big picture lifestyle stuff. Um, 
Yeah, I guess there's a lot more we could talk about lifestyle. You know, I guess like getting married, that's a thing. Eh, It's, eh, you know, it's, it is what it is. It's kind of amazing and awesome. Whatever, you know. Um, so, I get so, this is also an experiment. This, uh, we tried some, um, podcast stuff before, but it was very sort of, uh, a little bit more rehearsed, a little bit more formal, and um, we had to go through an editing process. Um, Yo, let me give an impression of, of, of how it went. Um, Jeff, here's a really simple yes or no question. 30 seconds of dead silence. Yeah, that sounds about right. Man, that was the worst thing to edit ever. Just just constantly like, okay, and here's where we trail off, and here's where we forget what we were talking about. Yeah. And so so yeah. I don't know what it is. There's like that. too much pressure or something, but um, this is this is way better what we're doing now. I like the the liveness of it, and I like that there's some interaction with the the audience, even though there's not like too many people saying stuff. But um, oh well, I, and then, and then the podcast that. died because in the middle of recording it, my SSD died. Oh yeah, there which was, that. was so it's like Skype was still working because it hadn't paged to disk or something. But like every time I'd click on an app and it would try and like page something from memory or from from disk into memory, it would it would freeze forever. So I was I was watching my computer slowly die forever while I was talking to you over Skype, which is the most surreal experience I've had with a computer. Um, so so major technical difficulties and then editing was just too much of a pain. And then something came up and we didn't do one. But we were in different places and there was a lot going on. This should be a lot easier because we can come to our beautiful sanctuary studio. Studio B? What do we say? It is B, yeah. Studio it's not B. C or D. It's B. Uh, and, uh, and, and do these live podcasts that will then be... Put online for people to hear. We might do video next time. Yeah. So, so this is this is the fail fast edition. Um, we would love your the thirty seventh episode of the fail fast. Yeah. Well, I mean, the the key with fail fast is keep failing and keep yeah. fasting. Um, yeah. I mean, it's really the only way. So, uh, so we'd love your feedback. We'd love to know what you think about video. Um, you know, video brings some streaming issues, but but we think it might add something to the live show. Um, if you're listening to this later. Um, then still give us feedback. Uh, we're also open to a lot of where this show could go. I, one of the things that I think we knew going into it was um, that there would kind of be this implicit, um, originally it was more explicit, but uh, theme of systems, which is a, a really interesting topic for both of us, which is why it's kind of a unique thing for this the opportunity. Um, but a lot of it might come through in all the other topics that we are able to talk about. Um, there's a lot of different things we can talk about. Obviously, tech stuff, startup stuff, indie game stuff, music stuff, other cultural things. Um, it, we have a lot of interests and a lot of interesting things around us. So, um, But figuring out what would be interesting for people to hear... Um, and that we enjoy talking about is kind of the initial goal, I think. Yeah, we'll de- we'll definitely do an interview at some point. We want to try that out. Oh yeah, I want to have fun. We show. do get other people in here talk, do weird stuff. Yeah, this show is actually maybe nothing to do with what the show will eventually be like, but yeah, I mean, despite thirty six episodes, we still don't really feel like we have a handle on it. Oh yeah, you know, it's yeah. it's a lifelong process of discovering what the show is. Continuous improvement. That's right. Uh, so, 
we're at the 48 minute mark um we could um sounds good to me that was the systems live podcast slash live broadcast 37 number 37 2013 recap